You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 259 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 259 features a 15-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN+, UFC Fight Pass, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight fight between Trevin Jones, who is 12 and 6, and Mario Bautista, who is 8 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes before we get started here. As always, the opening betting odds that I will be quoting are market opening prices, and they are available on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Check out the opening betting odds article for UFC 259 done by Adam Martin. That's the lines that I'm referring to on the openers. And, of course, the updated betting lines are courtesy of Circa Sports here in Las Vegas, also in Colorado, and expanding soon to Iowa as well. If you're ever in Vegas, make sure you head over to Circa Las Vegas downtown. The new resort casino is amazing. The world's biggest sports book, stadium swim. There's so much to offer, so make sure you check out Circa Sports if you're in Vegas. And, of course, my official UFC plays for this week's card, you guys can find on UFC Fight Pass, UFC on the line for UFC 259. So make sure you head over to Fight Pass and you will get all of my official plays on that show. It's an awesome show. Love doing it. Uh, So hopefully you guys give us some love and check it out. All right, now getting right into things. As Brian mentioned, the first fight of the night should be a good one, Batista versus Jones. Batista opened minus 130, the comeback on Jones at plus 110. Now the line over at Circus Sports is actually minus 215 for Batista to come back on Jones at plus 185. So obviously the low price attracted a lot of sharp action early on, and Batista got bet up to over 2-1. to one. I think the line is a lot more accurately set right now where it is. Um, Batista does have several advantages in this fight. I think the guy's kind of a phenom in a lot of ways, meaning that he's only had nine fights professionally thus far. Um, he's still fairly young, 27 years old, but you could see – the, the ceiling for this guy is going to be through the roof, meaning that, I mean, this guy has skill on the feet. He's got that killer instinct. He's got power. He's got good fight IQ. His wrestling defense is improving all the time. So he's a very difficult out. I mean, his only loss in his professional career is to Corey Sanhagen. So I think we could excuse him for that, especially, you know, at this stage and where he's at in his MMA career, like I said. The other side of it, though, I like Trevin Jones a lot as well. I think this guy's an incredible fighter. Uh, he's not going to get the attention um, as he should. I mean, other than the fight against Valiov when he came out in, in his UFC debut and weathered a crazy storm early on and got the W there. I, I know it got turned over, uh, overturned, I should say, to a no contest. But that being said, you can see what Jones has to offer. I mean, he's tough. He's a well-rounded mixed martial artist as well. He has a pretty solid ground game, good wrestling, underrated wrestling, honestly, and he's got power on the feet. So he's a very complete fighter, and it's not going to be an easy test for Batista. But I do think Batista is still going to be a step ahead of him. I think he's the better offensive striker. I think he could probably keep this fight upright, and I think he could do damage along the way, possibly even finish uh, Jones. But if he hits the scorecards, I think it's going to be like a 29-28 type of decision, unanimous decision went for Batista. So I am going to pick Batista. I think he probably gets it done this weekend. Yeah, Jones really wasn't expected to win that uh, first UFC fight. Um, he got in a lot of trouble early against Valiev, but 
you know, he showed his toughness. He weathered the storm and then caught Valiev in the second round. His value started to slow down a little bit and ended up uh, picking up the surprise upset short notice uh, finish. Um, so that raised his stock quite a bit. But uh, I still kind of think of him as a bit of an underdog story here. And coming in against Mario Batista, uh, I really like Batista. Now, Batista also faced a beast in his UFC debut, uh, and that was Corey Sanhagen um, on short notice. And, uh, you know, Sanhagen did end up getting the better of him, but Sanhagen's a top three bantamweight in the world right now, probably. So, I mean, you can't blame him for losing to Sanhagen on short notice for his UFC debut. So, uh, he has since bounced back and he's looked great. I mean, uh, had a nice performance against uh, Jin Su San, and then most recently a tremendous performance against Miles Johns, picking up a second round flying knee plus a ground and pound victory against Miles Johns to hand Johns his first uh, professional loss. So uh, that was just a monster performance, and I think he kind of showed what he's capable of. Uh, Bautista is a solid technical fighter, um, and he has a, a good ground game as well. I mean, he had a stretch there in his uh, the beginning of his career when he had four straight submissions. So if this goes to the ground, I favor Batista. If uh, it stays standing, I think Batista should be technical enough to uh, outpoint uh, Jones. And uh, I think that Batista has the conditioning to uh, keep up with Jones and uh, outwork him. So uh, Jones will have a puncher's chance because he do is powerful and he's dangerous. And, you know, he is better than a, his 12 and 6 record uh, indicates. But uh, I do think that uh, Bautista is going to get the better of him over the course of three rounds at least and win a decision, if not get a finish along the way. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have uh, Euros Medic, who is 6-0, and taking on Elon Cruz, who is 8-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Cruz open minus 125, Medish plus 105. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, we are seeing Medish minus 165, the comeback on Cruz plus 145. So early on, the action coming in on Medish, I think it's about right. I mean, this should be a very competitive fight, as the line still indicates. But I think as far as betting value, it's probably gone at this point. Because even though Medish, I think, is the more diverse and dangerous striker here in this spot. I think he can do more damage. He's more killer instinct. He's got more power and he's got kind of that nastiness that you'd like to see in a fighter. Cruz, I think flows a little bit more. I think he's a little smoother, longer, obviously on the feet as well, meaning that he's more fluid with the striking and he's got a little bit of pop in his punches for sure. So you have to respect that end of it. And this is going to be interesting if they tangle on the ground as well. So I'm not fairly confident in this fight either way. I think both these guys got a lot to prove to me still, but the upside is definitely more so on Metis here in this spot. I do like him to win. I think he probably finds the finish along the way, but at the betting window, you got to be cautious here. I'm going to go with uh, Metis as well. Um, I like him on the feet quite a bit. Uh, Cruz does have that kicking game that's pretty dangerous. I mean, the guy loves to sit back uh, from distance and wing kicks, uh, whether it's leg kicks, body kicks, head kicks. Um, but he gets outstruck if somebody pressures him and gets in his face. I mean, that was actually happening, happening on his contender series fight. Um, he was getting crowded a little bit. His opponent was landing more. Um, but then he landed a jumping knee in the last minute and gets a a knockout victory and gets a contract. And then in his UFC debut, he got crowded immediately by Spike Carlisle, 
who hurt him with a head kick, hurt him with some punches, and then put him away with some nasty uh, short elbows and punches from top position. So um, I think if uh, Medic is aggressive against him, um, gets inside of that kicking range, then uh, Cruz is in big trouble. And watching Medic fight, he's exciting on the feet. I mean, this guy throws with intent. He has power in his hands and his feet. Um, the one thing I'm a little nervous about with Medic is he is a little bit, you know, loosey-goosey with his defense at times, so he could be vulnerable to a head kick, and his takedown defense is not good. Like, he does have a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu game off of his back. He's way too comfortable on his back, though, um, way too confident in his ability to get, like, a submission off of his back. Uh, you know, watching him fight in his Alaska fights, you know, he was facing guys that were not having very good records, and they were able to get him down pretty easy. So if Cruz gets his jujitsu going, gets his grappling going from top position, I think that's his best path to victory more than the stand-up. I mean, on the stand-up, Medic is a killer. Uh, he looked amazing in his you know first real test on Contender Series uh, because, you know, most of his stuff before had been against uh, fighters out of Alaska. But... Uh, Medic also is trained by Rafael Cordero. I mean, this guy works with some really beastly guys in the gym and a great trainer, a great coach. So I think on the feet, Medic is going to walk away with it. But uh, I am a little nervous if uh, Cruz is able to get something going with a top position because, you know, just watch out because Medic's takedown defense still has needs a lot of work unless he's added something significant in uh, recent years, but uh, Cruz hasn't really shown much in terms of takedowns. He he did try to grapple a little bit after getting hurt in his debut, but that's about it. So I think Medic should be able to fend him off, and I expect Medic to hurt him and put him away. So Medic is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the strawweight division, we have uh, Lavina Souza, who is 14-2, taking on Amanda Lamos, who is 8-1-1. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Souza opened minus 215, Lemos plus 165. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Lemos minus 210. They come back at Souza at plus 180. So line completely flipped the other way. The opener that was floating around out there obviously got destroyed right away. And the market is now set a lot more accurately here because Lemos should be a 2-1 to one favorite in this spot, especially based on her recent performances. I mean... I understand her debut against Leslie Smith. She looked kind of bad, obviously. I mean, Leslie Smith, bigger, stronger, more experienced or whatnot. Tough spot to make in your UFC debut. But since she dropped down her weight class to 115, I mean, you can see physically she's a lot better off. She's more suited for this weight class. She's got some fast hands with some power. Obviously, she has a good grappling game as well. Uh, so I think that's where it's going to come into play with her hand speed against Souza. Souza lo has looked great. I think she hasn't really performed up to her ability, though, in the UFC thus far. She's coming off a solid win over Yoder. But I still expected more from her because she's a very capable fighter. I mean, if you look at her past Invicta fights, you can see where it's at with her. I mean, she's a complete fighter, has good striking, has a really good jiu-jitsu game to go along with it. She's not an easy out. And I think she's probably going to perform better than people think against Lemos here in this spot as well. And it will be fairly competitive. I just don't like the fact that she is taking some punishment. She's eating some punches. And Lemos' hand speed is going to be a difference maker here and the power and just the way she goes about her striking, I think, will kind of make it a little bit more clear to the judges that she probably wins on the scorecard. So I get it. I think Lemos is definitely 
the way to go here as far as right side. I pick her to win. But as the line progresses, I mean, I think the line value just totally went out the window completely. And you got to stay away from it at this point. So if you're betting this fight, it now becomes a dog or pass situation. But I'm not saying to bet the dog either, if that makes sense. I think Lemos is going to probably end up winning this fight. So my pick is Lemos. It should be a pretty exciting fight and probably closer than we all anticipate. And uh, I agree. I think uh, Souza is a very talented, well-rounded fighter. But she has looked better in her Invicta run than she has in the UFC. Even though she's 3-1 and one in the UFC so far, you know, she's had some close wins against fighters that she should have done better against, honestly. Um, and, when, and, and she did get that loss against uh, Van Buren. Um, now, Lemos, on the other hand, um, I think she has looked tremendous since dropping down to 115. And uh, she really stepped up. In that last fight against uh, Inoue, um, I think that she is a legit talent in terms of uh, the strawweight division. And I think on the feet, she should just be a little bit quicker. Um, but you do have to watch out because if Souza fights you know, more aggressively than she has in her UFC run, she could hold her own uh, with Lemos, but... Uh, Lemos, you know, went in there against Inoue, somebody with excellent boxing, and, you know, was able to walk away with a hard-earned unanimous decision victory. So I think uh, Lemos is going to get the better on the feet, and Souza doesn't really have the the offensive wrestling to get this to the floor where she might have an advantage. And even there, Lemos is talented on the ground, so I don't even know if Souza has much of an advantage on the canvas either because Lemos is so physically uh, strong and athletic. So I think Lemos just kind of bullies Souza a little bit and at least wins a decision here. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Sean Brady, who is 13-0, taking on Jake Matthews, who is 17-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Brady open minus 170, Matthews plus 145. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Brady minus 200, the comeback on Matthews at plus 175. So this is an intriguing fight for sure because I get it. Everybody's kind of in love with Brady and what they've seen thus far in his career. Undefeated, rising prospect. He's definitely had some really solid performances in his UFC career thus far, being 3-0 over very good competition. So you got to respect that. I like what I see in him. He's got good wrestling. He's got good hands. Uh, a very intelligent fighter. Hard to kind of bully him around. And I think his IQ thus far has shown to be very solid as well. I just think that this is probably going to be one of the most difficult tests for him that he's faced thus far. I mean, he's, like I said, good, solid competition. But I think Matthews right now, he's another one of these young guys that's continuing to improve as well. So I think he puts things together well. He could kind of hang as crazy as it's going to sound. A lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, but he can hang with Brady on the feet. I think it'll be very competitive with the feet. And then Matthews does mix things up a little bit better. And I think he's got a better ground game to boot as well. So defensively, it is a bit of a concern. I trust the durability more of Brady. Um, and conditioning, I think Brady can go a little bit three three rounds a little bit stronger if that makes sense as well but i still think that matthews is being underlooked and undervalued in this spot and the line shouldn't be as high as it is so for me it's a dog or pass situation and i'm actually going to pick matthews to win this fight straight up i just don't like the fact that everybody's kind of counting him out here and he's a very talented fighter i mean if you look at his overall resume he's got some moments that you know you kind of want to scratch your head but that last loss that he had to 
Anthony Rocco Martin, not necessarily a bad one, especially on that streak that Martin was on as well. But those are kind of the defensive issues that I was kind of concerned about, what I'm saying with him leaving his neck in or whatnot in certain spots. But I think he'll be okay in this position, in this fight. And I think he's going to have a lot more success all around than everybody thinks. So this line should be way tighter. I'm going to go against the grain. And I know Brady's a popular pick here for most people. And a lot of people are betting on Brady as well. But I just think it's a Matthew situation or pass. And I will pick him to win this fight. And I like Brady here. I think that both of these guys have very similar skill sets. They're both good wrestlers. They're both good strikers. They both have some power. They both have some submission ability. But I think that uh, Brady is just a little bit ahead of Matthews in just about every department. Um, So far, he has kind of passed with flying colors all of his tests and He's faced some good fighters along the way. Uh, I'd say his best win so far has been uh, Court McGee in his debut, but um, we saw most recently, you know, he showed off a, a good ground game there against Aguilera with that uh, guillotine choke. Um, you know, this is a guy that, if he uh, is given space, should be able to outpoint Matthews on the feet. And I think that his wrestling is at least as good as Matthews. So. Matthews is going to struggle to try to shoot for takedowns and put him on his back and keep him there. Um, Matthews also, I think, has slowed down a little bit as fights wear on, and I think Brady can outlast him. So basically, the, the only real edge I give Matthews in this fight is perhaps he's a little bit better in terms of finishing. Um, I think he might be able to get you know a TKO with his power or, you know, maybe jump on a, an aggressive submission opportunity. So as long as Brady avoids, you know, getting hit with that big shot or leaving his neck exposed, I think uh, he's going to fluster Matthews, wear him down, and either finish him late or win a decision. I think uh, Brady is just a little bit better than Matthews in just about every area, and it's going to show on fight night. And, you know, Matthews has historically struggled when he stepped up. Um, And I think this is a step up for, for Matthews. And I think uh, Brady's going to pass it. So my pick is Brady. Now moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Carlos Ulberg, who is three and O taking on Kennedy and check who is seven and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Olberg minus 172, and Chekwu plus 144. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, Olberg line inflated to minus 250, the comeback on Chekwu at plus 215. So Olberg getting the love, of course, training with Adesanya, his kickboxing background, everything. I mean, the guy is a pretty good striker for sure. There's no question about it. My hesitation here is, I mean, he's 3-0 in his MMA career. Um and there's a lot to learn still and a lot to kind of see from him. So I'm hesitant in this fight because Jekwu is definitely a very powerful man. I mean, he's big, strong, long. Um, I think Olberg does pick him apart here. He's a better striker. I think he's going to be chopping away the legs. I think we're going to see him perform relatively well, maybe even get a highlight reel type of knockout. But with a limited data that's out there on his side, I mean, in the inflation of the line right now, I think you kind of have to stay away and just watch this fight kind of play out. This will be the biggest win of his career if he gets it. And I think he probably does get it because, again, it's going to be a striker versus striker matchup, and Olberg should be the better striker. I just don't like defensively at times how 
he's looked and, and, and Chekwu does have that kind of power and he can maybe get him backpedaling a little bit and maybe land one of those big punches. So I think Chekwu has a puncher's chance, but Oberg is the better striker should get this done. But again, at the betting window, I would apply caution, especially since it opened to minus 172 and now it's all the way up to minus 250. I think the betting value, if any, was there is totally gone. So you got to be careful here in this spot. But I do pick Oberg to win. Yeah, this one's pretty straightforward. Um, and Chekwu is powerful and dangerous, so Olberg can't take him lightly and, you know, leave his defenses down. Because if he gets clipped and Chekwu's uh, got, you know, a head kick that has finished fights and he's got some power to uh, get a finish with his hands. So you got to watch out for that. But, um, and Chekwu is... Uh, vulnerable. I think even in his UFC win over Stosic, his legs got torn up. So um, taking on somebody like Olberg that has super legit kickboxing credentials, trains with some of the best fighters in the world um, at uh, Adesanya's gym, um, I think Olberg has an extremely bright future. And the only people that are going to give a threat to Olberg are probably guys that can mix grappling in with their striking attacks. And that's just not something in check who's really going to bring here. Um, when he tried, you know, got involved in grappling, he got dominated by Paul Craig. So um, I think this stays standing. Olberg tears up in check uh, legs, which will help with the reach disadvantage. And then uh, once in check slows down, Olberg's going to take him out. So my pick is Olberg. And I think that he does, not just win, but I think he gets a, a TKO along the way. Now, dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Tim Elliott, who is 16-11-1, taking on Jordan Espinoza, who is 15-8. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Elliott opened minus 130, the comeback in Espinoza plus 110, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Elliott minus 110, Espinosa minus 110. So the line exactly a pick now. And I understand it, but the thing is, it wouldn't be a pick if this fight took place, I think, a little while back. I mean, Elliott is definitely the more proven fighter to me at this point. I mean, both these guys are savvy vets for sure, but the the fights that Elliott's had in the UFC and how he's performed overall has been pretty solid. I mean, this guy has been a savvy vet. He has underrated striking on the feet, I think. He's kind of got one of those warrior mentalities. He's always pushing a high pace. Of course, his wrestling, his grappling, I think is kind of what where it's all at for him, obviously, if he puts everything together well. He could be extremely dominant at times, and he's faced such high-level competition. But it's close right now because we haven't seen th- those great performances from Elliott for a while. I know he bounced back and got a solid win over Benoit, which I think I needed to see because it seemed to me in the Roy Ball fight that he was obviously slowing down to the point where you don't want to see that in a fight. So I think it all depends on which Elliott shows up here. I think Espinoza has some speed, some power. He's got good wrestling in his own right. I just think defensively he's more flawed. I mean if you look at the way Espinoza goes about striking on his feet – I mean, he throws some solid punches. He's got that, like I said, that quickness and the speed that you like to see. But defensively, the way he backpedals and gets hit sometimes is not what I like to see. And on top of that, you mix in the ability for Elliott to wrestle and get this fight down to the ground in a timely fashion. And I think he's got the better submission game to go along with it. It's not going to be easy to manhandle Espinosa like that. But I think Elliott still has enough left in the tank to win a fight like this if he shows up and he's kind of in form like he was against Benoit. So I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. A lot of people, I think, are underestimating Elliott in this spot. Um, I understand it. Espinoza seems to be like on the rise where Elliott's probably the best days kind of are behind him. That's fair to say, Um, even though, in my opinion, 
we haven't seen great performances from Espinosa. He's faced decent competition. You know, he's lost three out of his last four fights. So, but I still think there's more upside to Espinosa right now in the UFC. And most people are kind of backing that and believing in that. And stylistically, if Ellie doesn't show up, it could be a tough fight for him. So Pickham is very true as far as line goes here. I can understand it, but I still think that Elliot should be maybe a slight favorite. And the opener was probably a little bit more accurate than where it is now, but we'll see how it plays out. I'm going to pick Elliot to win. I'm going to side with the savvy vet and think that he's got enough left in the tank to get one more W over a very good and capable opponent like Espinosa. I'm concerned for Espinosa just because if he does give up the takedowns and Elliot is able to get something going, we've seen Espinosa get uh, choked out by Matt Schnell. We've seen him get choked out by Alex Perez. So if Elliot can latch on to something, um, then yeah, he has a definite path to victory. Um, and if he can get top position, there's a path to victory. But um, you know, Elliot is getting older now, 34 years old. I mean, that is that's up there in the flyweight division. And I think Espinosa, you know, even though he's only three years younger, you know, he's um, he's shown some good quickness, some athleticism, and if he can avoid getting taken down. I think on the feet, he should be significantly ahead of Elliot there. So uh, I would definitely favor uh, Espinoza in the standup. Um, it just kind of boils down to can Elliot get sustained takedown offense? Um, I can see Elliot getting, you know, some takedowns in the first round, but will he be able to keep that up? Because um, he's shown that, you know, his conditioning is a bit of a question mark. Um, we've seen him, uh, you know, completely gas in a couple fights um you know most recently the the Roy Val fight where you know he started strong it was a really exciting back and forth grappling match and then he really slowed down and then got uh, finished in the second round so if Espinosa makes him work for takedowns in that first round I can see Elliot slowing down and Espinosa taking over so um you know this one's kind of a toss-up for me because you know, there's question marks about both guys. Both guys have struggled. I think they both have lost three of their last four. Um, but um, I actually think that the that Espinosa matches up kind of okay here as long as he avoids significant periods on his back. And if he does that, I think he walks away with a, a decision from outpointing Elliot on the feet. Now, sticking with the flyweight division... We have Kai Kara France, who is 21-9, taking on Rogerio Bontorin, who is 16-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? France opened minus 205, the comeback on Bontorin at plus 175. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is France minus 130, the comeback on Bontorin at plus 110. Line values starting to get gobbled up here. I think the wrong favorite opened and it's still kind of sitting there. I mean, look, I like Car France. He's an amazing fighter, obviously on Izzy's team as well. He's come a long way. I mean, this guy, even before he got in the UFC, you can see the talent that he had and faced very solid competition outside of that. And then since he came into the UFC, I think his career's took kind of taking a step up to another level in a good way. So I really like what I see of Car France, very well-rounded fighter, obviously striking is where it's at with him, but he's developing his ground game, has some good wrestling. I just think Bontarine is going to be a step ahead of him, meaning that I think it's going to be very competitive on the feet. I think Bontarine can hang with him on the feet, if not land some harder strikes along the way and give him some problems there. And then on the ground, I think where the edge is for Bontarine for sure. I think he's got better wrestling. He's got better transitions on the ground. He's got a better submission game. So I think this is a case where Bontarine might, 
be able to find a finish on the ground. If not, I think he does enough with his ground game and his control game and in a competitive fight that he ends up grinding out a 29-28 type of decision win as well. So expecting this to be close, competitive, back-and-forth type of fight, but I just think Bontarine is the better, more complete fighter in this spot, and you're getting him at an underdog price, so you have to kind of look that way or just stay away from it. I don't think you can lay any chalk on Cara France. So my pick is going to be Bontarine, and I think this should be a, a pretty exciting fight, but one that he can win. And I like Bontarine as well. Um, the main thing here is in a pure stand-up fight, yeah, Cara France probably gets the better of him, but uh, I think it'll be com- more competitive than people think because uh, Bontarine has shown some flashes on the feet. Um, he has some uh, sneaky striking. You know, he's got some good elbows. He's got, uh, you know, he, he, he can open up cuts. Um, and... What really makes him effective, though, is when he's able to crowd you, whether it's uh, in the clinch, whether it's working for the ground. And while France doesn't have that bad of takedown defense, he does struggle when he's crowded. Um, I mean, you've seen it uh, multiple times now. You know, he is a really talented striker, but uh, Roy Val was able to crowd him, hurt him, and then, uh, you know, finish him. Uh, Moreno pushed him. Um, So... Uh, you know, Francis is beatable. It just, uh, it kind of boils down to whether or not Bontorin can close that distance. Because if he can, this gets interesting in a hurry on the feet as well. So, um, you know, if France can work from kickboxing range and kind of set the tempo and, you know, just pick away at Bontorin, then yeah, I think he'd walk away with a decision. But I don't think Bontorin lets him do that. Um, I think Bontorin really makes him fight for every inch of space. And I think that's what's going to help Bontorin get the win here. So uh, I think Bontorin wins in the clinch. I think he wins on the ground. And I think he might even win uh, if he can crowd him into close boxing range with knees and elbows. And, you know, kind of uses some of the the Muay Thai ability as well. So um, I'm going to go with Bontorin unless France is really able to utilize distance perfectly. Now, again, sticking with the flyweight division, we have Joseph Benavides, who is 28-7, taking on Askar Askarov, who is 13-0-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Benavides opened minus 150, the comeback on Askarov, plus 130. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Askarov minus 142, the comeback on Benavides at plus 122. A decent amount of action recently coming in on Askarov. That's why we're a little bit higher market right now in that spot in, in comparison to what's on Don Best. But that being said, I think it might be wrong. I mean, I like Askarov. I know he's the future, possibly the division. I mean, the guy's a stud. I like what I see, and he's getting more comfortable in the octagon, and you can see it. He's only 28 years old. He's coming on strong. His striking is developing. He's getting better in that aspect, but it's his wrestling, his grinding, his ground game that is where it's at. It's hard to stop that relentless pressure. The only problem I have with him here in this spot is Benavides historically has been a pretty solid guy, and it's hard to take him down. I mean, if you look at him, I think he's one of the better, lighter fighters that we've seen in the sports history, meaning at bantamweight, at flyweight. Benavides has been in there with the best of the best and has given them all problems. I realize that he's coming off of two devastating defeats to Figueredo, the current champion, at 125. But take that away, and the guy's still kind of top of the food chain. Now, again, is it one of those situations that maybe – at his age, he's 36 years old. He's definitely hit that spot, where especially coming off those two brutal losses that he could be done and he could be a shot fighter. If that's the case, I think it's very possible to to see him get beat here. But if it's not, we see 
Benavides still have something left, I think this is going to be a very difficult fight for Askarov because I think Benavides is the better striker and he has outstanding wrestling and a very capable ground game in his own right. So stylistically, if it wasn't because of the age factor here and Benavides wasn't coming off those two losses, he would be a favorite in this fight, I think. So you have to take that consideration. And I don't think Askarov is a sure thing at all. I mean, according to the betting market right now, more people are backing him and believing him. But I hope Benavides does show up to fight because it's going to be a very competitive fight. And I think one that Benavides can win. So I will pick him to win this fight actually straight out. I mean, obviously the sports books are probably going to need him to come through. Um, and I think he he can kind of sustain. If he doesn't get finished in this fight, I think he doesn't lose a decision on the cards. It'll be close, but I think he's capable of winning on the scorecards. And man, he's got enough power on the feet. Don't forget, he's got that strength and that explosiveness that he can put people down as well. So I'm going to pick Benavides. I think he probably can pull off the slight upset win here. Yeah, Askarov gets a lot of love because of the the zero next to his uh, name. But, um, you know, I do think that this is kind of a bad matchup for him. Um, in terms of grappling, Askarov is a, a talented offensive wrestler, but you know, Benavides comes from a really good wrestling background. Uh, he's explosive and strong and athletic. You know, people don't really take him down and keep him there. So I'm not really that concerned about Askarov's ground game in this fight. Um, and on the feet, you know, Askarov is a capable striker, but he's not that powerful. He's not a, a big time finisher. Um, so if he's able to, uh, if Benavides is able to keep this upright, he should be the better striker, the quicker striker, and uh, the more powerful striker. The only thing I'm really worried about more than anything, you know, is, is Benavides done? You know, he had back-to-back fights against uh, Figueredo where he took a beating. I mean, he got knocked down about five times combined, if not more, um, finished in both fights against uh, the best flyweight in the planet. So that does make me nervous because uh, Benavides is, you know, he's probably getting closer towards the end of his career, you would think, especially, you know, now that he's lost another pair of title fights. Um, and there's no way he'll ever fight Figueredo again. I mean, I don't care how many fight wins in a row he gets. So uh, against Askarov, you know, he hopefully can take it out on him, the frustration. But uh, skill-wise, Benavides still is good enough to get this win. It just boils down to, is he done? Because if those losses and all the knockdowns and punishment he took took a lot out of him and his chin is even further gone, then maybe Askarov could hurt him on the feet. Maybe Benavides is going to lose a step here. Um, so that's the main thing I'm concerned about because in terms of uh, how these guys match up, I think Benavides matches up really, really well with Askarov. I think he can keep this upright, outpoint Askarov, potentially even knock him out. So... Uh, I'm going to pick Benavidez, but I am nervous about his durability and just how much left he has in the tank overall. Now, moving up to the Bantamweight division, we have Kyler Phillips, who is 8-1, taking on Yadong Song, who is 16-4-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Yadong opened minus 190, the comeback on Phillips plus 165. Right now looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Yadong minus 155, the comeback on Phillips at plus 135. 
this is a tough one, man. I've been going back and forth on this one myself because I see the potential and, and the craziness that Phillips brings, the chaos he brings when every time he competes. This guy's good, man. I mean, as an underdog, he's very tempting for sure because he's got finishing ability. He's got that unorthodox and effective striking. He's got a really good grappling game, good offensive wrestling. I mean, this guy is fun to watch. Yadong, on the other hand, though, man, I, I tell you what, I've been nothing but impressed with him as well. I know he had kind of a, a squeaker fight in his last um, opportunity that he had against uh, Vera and it, it kind of I think brought his stock down a little bit because of that loss um, well because of the win I should say a lot of people believe he lost that fight he ended up winning over uh, Vera I mean it was a close decision it was hard to argue that he did not win but I'm saying a lot, there was some controversy there a lot of people believe that Vera did enough to kind of win that fight so that said I think that kind of brought uh, Yadong's stock down a little bit but man he's got power in his hands he's getting better obviously he's got outstanding wrestling and he's got a good ground game as well and man when he lands those punches he punishes people so uh, this is going to be a classic battle and that's why i've been kind of going back and forth on this i mean i don't think phillips is going to be able to control yudong on the ground and i think yudong is going to have more effective striking at a, at a more steady pace if that makes sense i mean again he's going to have to face some unorthodox kicks and and striking for phillips along the way but as the fight progresses both these guys t tend to slow down a little bit and I just think Yadong is going to have a little bit of, of a cardio edge here, a little bit of a higher pace he's going to push. And I think he's going to probably do enough to maybe steal this one on the scorecard. So I understand people hopping on Phillips at plus 165. I mean, the line I think is more accurate now and maybe still it's a dog or pass situation for Phillips here because I wouldn't lay the chalk against him because he's so dangerous. But that being said, I'm going to pick Yadong to win because I do think at, from what I've seen as of late, I know Phillips is on the rise and he's getting better, but I still think Yadong is just a little bit ahead of him at this point, and I think he could do enough to win this fight. This should be a classic, though, so I pick Yadong. And I'm going to go Yadong as well. Um, I do think that Phillips is pretty talented, and he's shown uh, some good ability so far in his brief UFC run, picking up uh, the, the victories over Gabriel Silva and Cameron Else. But this is a huge step up in competition level. Um, you know, Song Yudong is a guy that is uh, one of the better bantamweights out there. I mean, he clearly has shown that he can hang with some of the best guys at 135 already by uh, getting the draw uh, against Stamen and, you know, squeaking out the close victory over uh, Vera. Um, the only thing I'm really worried about is that... Uh, Song has slowed down a little bit because um, uh, athletically he's ahead of Phillips. Power, he's ahead of Phillips. I think technique, he's ahead of Phillips. So um, he should be in really good shape here. But uh, if Phillips really pushes him and wears Song down, he could uh, get him to slow uh, because we have seen that where, you know, he was kind of gassed in that last fight against Vera in that third round. You know, I was pretty nervous that Vera might even get a finish or, you know, perhaps win the third round so convincingly that he uh, could steal the fight. So uh, if Song has kind of corrected that, then, you know, never mind. But because uh, he is still very young at 23 years old um, and uh, still on the rise. But uh, I do think that Song is a, a top player at 135, and you know he's gonna get beat at some point in the UFC. But I think it's gonna be against like a top 10 bantamweight, not against somebody like Phillips. Phillips could surprise me here, but I think Song should be in complete control for the most part, and at least walk away with a decision, if not hurt Phillips and finish him. 
Now, moving on to the preliminary card headliner in the Bantamweight division, we have former champion Dominic Cruz, who is 22-3, taking on Casey Kenny, who is 16-2-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Cruz open minus 115, Kenny minus 105. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Kenny minus 135, the comeback on Cruz at plus 115. So another situation, I think, similar to the Benavides fight, where you're seeing kind of the rising star in Kenny. I mean, he's been on a roll for sure. And the old savvy vet, a lot of people think, is probably on the decline and is more shot than not. I think we're seeing that here as well, because there's no way Dominic Cruz would be an underdog to Kenny, despite Kenny's success and the ability that he does have. I mean, historically, Dominic Cruz, obviously one of the best bantamweights in the history of the sport, arguably the best bantamweight of all time. Um, he just hasn't been fighting consistent. We know a lot of that's due to injuries. So, um, he, but ring rust, he says himself, is not a factor a lot of times. So he is confident that that doesn't kind of affect him in his game. But that being said, I mean, he ended up losing, controversial or not, to Cejudo in his last spot. Um, and we could start seeing signs of that decline being real. And that's the scary part. I mean, Father Time, we say time and time again, catches up with all of us. And we just don't know the drop-off could come real sudden and just in a flash. So we don't know what's up with Cruz right now completely. But I know skill set-wise, he's better than Kenny. I mean, I think he's better pretty much everywhere than Kenny, right? That's not knocking Kenny. I just think that, I mean, technique, uh, obviously experience, the high-level competition. I mean, he matches up fairly well with Kenny. It's going to be a very difficult fight. But Kenny's been fighting with that power, the ferocity. He's getting better. He's getting more confident. He's definitely on the rise. He's a younger fighter here. So there's a lot to like about Kenny. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate going both ways here. But I understand why people are coming in believing more in Kenny. I mean, if you look at the impact and the power that he's throwing recently with his leg kicks, with his body kicks, with his hands, he's got good scrambling. He's got good wrestling. I mean, look what he did. Ray Borg is a very difficult guy to deal with on the ground. And look at that fight and the ability that Kenny had to control and win that fight against a good grappler. Bermuda's another one of these guys, Manny Bermuda's when he was fighting him, another talented grappler that he was able to, you know, kind of neutralize and, and be effective against. So there's a lot to like about Kenny in this spot. Um, and I do think that he probably ends up landing the harder shots and, and is a little bit more dangerous in this spot on the feet, because I think this fight will probably stay upright. And I think what we'll see is Dominic Cruz kind of utilizing those angles and the footwork pretty well. But I think in the smaller cage, Kenny's going to be able to hunt him down and then land some power shots. And that could sway this on the scorecards, or maybe he gets a late finish. So I'll lean a little bit more towards Kenny, but this is another spot for me that at the betting window, I mean, you cannot necessarily disrespect and count Cruz out here because if he shows up and has some life left, he's going to win this fight. So it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a close one. I'm going to side with Kenny because, again, there's just a lot more question marks, I think, right now surrounding Dominic Cruz for me. But be cautious. Another spot at the betting window where you have to kind of respect both fighters and kind of see where the line is going before the fight goes off if you're going to bet it, if that makes sense. But my pick will be Kenny. And I understand the Ken the love for Kenny here. Um, he is a guy on the rise in the bantamweight division you know, in a big way. He's got an excellent ground game, um, so if he is somehow able to get top position here against Cruz, I mean, he could do some damage. That being said, Cruz is a tremendous wrestler, and I do not expect him to be put on his back here. So this fight should stay on the feet, and Kenny is a serviceable striker. I mean, and he showed that last fight against Nathaniel Wood, that was probably some of the best striking he's had in his UFC run. Um, and he's had some pretty good striking uh, before his time in the UFC as well. So, you know, he is definitely a capable striker. 
Um, that being said, you know, Dominic Cruz is one of the best, you know, most unorthodox, difficult strikers to prepare for that's ever existed. Um, he just has that crazy movement, the in and out, um, and he's strong, and he can go and go and go for days. Um, and he's not afraid to be on the outside and, you know, make you look silly. So uh, the only thing I'm really nervous about here is uh, Cruz is getting a little bit older now. You know, he's 35 years old, which again, like I said before, at flyweight, that's old. And at Bantamweight, it's, you know, still an issue. And his chin is starting to go. Um, you know, he's been hurt before in fights, but um, in against Cody Garbrandt, when he lost his belt, he really got hurt. And then against Cejudo, he did get finished. You know, he can complain only once, but he was in a bad way against Cejudo um, after starting okay. So uh, that being said, you know, Casey Kenny does not hit like Henry Cejudo uh, or Cody Garbrandt. So I'm not nearly as worried about Cruz getting clipped and finished. But uh, I think uh, Cruz is going to utilize that movement and speed. And I do think that he still has some in the tank. I mean, he's one of the hardest workers and most uh, analytical fighters that, that exists. So if there are some paths to victory here, I think he's studying them and he's going to implement a strong game plan. And I think Kenny's going to have trouble adapting to it. And I think he's going to take Kenny's ground game out of the equation. And I think Cruz does outpoint and outmaneuver Kenny on the feet to get a victory here and it would be his first victory in almost five years, but I think he gets it done. Now kicking off the main card, we have a light heavyweight contest featuring Tiago Santos, who is 21 and eight taking on Alexander Rakic, who is 13 and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Rakic open minus 265, the comeback on Santos at plus 185. Craziness that it was that high, but it was. And right now what we're seeing is a lot more kind of reasonable. Minus 160, Rakic, the comeback on Santos at plus 140. I'm saying kind of reasonable because I think the right price is probably somewhere in the middle as far as the public betting line goes. Um, that said, I like Rakic in this fight. I'm just going to come out and say it right away. I mean, Santos is a very dangerous fighter. I understand he got a ton of respect, especially the ability to improve. And I mean, his size, he's filled out so well in the light heavyweight division. This guy's a monster, man. Hits extremely hard, has quality wins over the, the current light heavyweight champion, Blahovich. That was his last victory, actually. If he lost to John Jones at a very close split decision, uh, I think his stock definitely rose despite that loss. And then, of course, those injuries, he had to take some time off. And then, but he got exploded on the ground against Teixeira in his last fight. And I think that Rakic is one of these guys that's kind of under the radar a little bit. I think for him, the problematic spot that a lot of people were kind of hesitating with was Ozdemir, the, the fight that he lost by split decision a couple fights back. I think a lot of people believe that, you know, that's that's kind of an eyesore type of fight. And Santos is going to have a lot of success, especially with the striking and his kicking game and the leg kicks, everything that he can bring to the table here against Rakic. I just don't think that it's going to happen that way. I think Rakic is actually the more explosive fighter. I, I think... He's going to have a little bit of size over Santos, which isn't necessarily a common thing in most cases. But so he's going to have a little bit of size over Santos. I think he's got the ability to take this fight to the ground. And I think his boxing's better. I think he's a little bit more durable as well. So I think there's a lot of advantages for Rakic in this fight. And I think he's going to win this fight. So it's probably a favorite to pass situation. Like I said, from minus 265 to minus 160, somewhere in between lies a real probably price in this spot and no disrespect to Santos. I know he's dangerous and he's definitely capable of finishing fights in light heavyweight division. We've seen it time and time again, but I just think that Rakic is 
the future of this division, to be honest with you, especially with John Jones kind of stepping aside um, and moving up to heavyweight, as we know that's happening right now. Who knows where John Jones is going to go from there? But um, with Jones out of the equation, Rakic could very well be the best light heavyweight in the world right now. So I know that's a big statement, but I think eventually he probably gets there. So that said, I like Rakic. I think he's going to win this fight, and I'm going to pick him. And I agree. I mean, in a pure stand-up fight, Santos is going to be really dangerous. I mean, this guy has a disgusting kicking game, heavy hands, great technique. I mean, he went toe-to-toe on the feet with John Jones and arguably could have won the fight. So on two shredded knees. So this guy is capable of uh, standing and trading with anybody. Um, I mean, as Nick said, he finished the current champ, Blahovich. So... Uh, I think in a pure stand-up fight, uh, you know, Rakic could get himself in some serious trouble here if he chooses, you know, to, to play with fire. Because, uh, you know, while Rakic is a very good striker in his own right and athletic and quick, um, you know, he did end up losing a, a bit of a controversial decision there to Ozdemir. And, you know, I think if he did, if that happened to Ozdemir, it can happen here for sure. The difference, though, is... Um, you know, Santos is very exploitable on the canvas. I mean, this guy is a absolute killer on the feet, but you take him off the feet. He is vulnerable. I mean, you saw it. Glover looked amazing against him on the feet uh, or by getting takedowns. And then uh, you look and, uh, you know, Cesar Ferreira was able to get him down and choke him out. Uh, Eric Spicely, of all people. Uh, choked him out on the ground so uh, you know it's really about taking him off of his feet where he's vulnerable and if Rakic utilizes that wrestling and he does have a pretty good uh, you know double leg I think that he can power in get uh, Santos out of his comfort zone and control the fight it's you know not a five-round fight or anything so if he can just do that and get uh, Santos's weapons taken away from him, then Rakic is going to win. But uh, if Rakic plays with fire, then it's anybody's game. I mean, Santos can get knocked out too. You know, Dave Branch finished him on the feet. Uh, Santos has been hurt in several of his other fights that he ended up winning. So uh, Rakic, you know, still could knock him out if it's a toe-to-toe brawl. But, you know, why play with fire? You know, Rakic isn't a world beater on the ground, but he does have the wrestling to take Santos out of his game. So he needs to do it, especially with Santos, you know, coming off of the, the double knee injuries. You know, I think that that makes him even more vulnerable to the takedown. So um, this is definitely Rakic's fight to lose. But again, if he screws around and plays with fire on the feet, he's going to find out. So um, I'm concerned about that, but I think Rakic will utilize the full depth of his game to get the win here. Now, Dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Islam Makashev, who is 18-1, taking on Drew Dober, who is 23-9. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Makashev opened minus 400, the comeback on Dober at plus 330. Right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Makashev minus 385, the comeback plus 315 on Dober. I will cut to the chase in this fight. Dober's looked phenomenal, man. I mean, it's hard not to like this guy. He's he's a savvy vet, been around the sport, facing decent competition before he got in the UFC, and then he stepped up his game, especially as of late. He's on a three-fight winning streak over solid competition. The guy has power in his hands. He's going out there finishing people. He's definitely stepped up his game, training with Trevor 
uh, Trevor Whitman and crew in, in uh, Colorado. I mean, phenomenal coaching camp. Obviously, it's it's worked wonders on him because I think he's never been better. I mean, they they got him at an all time high in his career, meaning that he's. I think the best he's looked on the feet, he's got the conditioning better than ever down pat as well. He's obviously got a good wrestling background, but the problem with that is Makashev, that's his bread and butter as well. I mean, he pushes a very high pace. He's got good grappling. I mean, outside of Khabib now getting removed from this division because he retired or whatnot, we'll see if he ever comes back. Makashev is probably the best grinder to fill that role in that spot. And he's honestly, I mean, there's a good chance that he becomes the future champ one day, right? I mean, it's kind of the path is laid out there for him to take it. Now it's going to be hard. I mean, there's a lot of challenges ahead of him, but as far as his grinding style and his ability to win fights, especially on the ground and having decent stand-up to go along with it, Makashev is going to be a tough out for many, many people. So only one blemish on his resume. And that was from a guy that sparked him. And, and that's the thing. Dober has that kind of potential as well, right? I mean, he wins fights that way. So Makashev has to respect Dober's power on the feet. He doesn't want to end up like he did against Martins in his fight that he, the only fight that he's lost in his career. So that, but that is game-changing power that Dober has. So at, at minus 385, minus 400, I don't understand how you can lay this. I understand Makashev is probably going to get this fight to the floor, and he will have an advantage once he does so. Um, and I think he could grind Dober out. I think he can win this fight um, on the scorecards, possibly even get a submission on the ground as well as it goes. So it's Makashev's fight to win or lose, but the danger on the other side of it is what you have to respect in Dober. And again, one of these savvy vets that has taken his career to the next level because of his coaching, because of his work ethic. So you got to respect that, and you have to shy away from laying chalk against somebody like that, I think. So the pick is Makashev for me, though. And that's the thing. I mean, I am a huge stand for Drew Dober. I mean, I love this guy. I think that he is one of the better lightweights on the roster. The problem is Makashev matches up really well with him. Um, I mean, on the feet, Dober's got the edge. I mean, he is uh, improving drastically in the stand-up. He has great hands. His power is getting there. Um, I mean, he could definitely finish Makashev if this is a pure stand-up fight. The problem is Makashev isn't usually standing for long. Uh, and when he gets fights to the ground, he is a problem. And when Dober gets put on his back by good grapplers, he gets finished. Um, you know, it happened against Efrain Escudero. He got guillotine choked. Against uh, Olivier Alban Mercier, he got a rear naked choke. And uh, Benil Darius was able to get him with an armbar in his most recent loss. So, uh, you know, good grapplers can handle Drew Dober. And Islam Makachev is probably the best grappler he's faced yet. You know, maybe other than Darius. Uh, but I'd say Makashev actually has better wrestling than Darius. So, I mean, Makashev has utilized his ground game to get wins over wrestler Chris Wade, wrestler Nick Lentz, ground, you know, wrestler, uh, great takedown artist, Glayson Tebow, you know, dominated all three of those guys. And then uh, more recently, good performances against guys like Armin Sarukian, a really good fighter, dominated him. And then Davi Ramos, uh, another quality win. So, you know, this guy is just able to get fights to the floor and control them. Now, he's not, you know, destroying people and getting a ton of finishes. But, I mean, I just don't see Drew Dober's takedown defense being good enough to avoid Makashev closing the distance, getting a hold of him, and then controlling the fight from there. But while it's standing, Dober is going to have a puncher's chance because he has some serious pop in his hands, improving pop. And Makashev did screw around um, against Adriano Martins earlier in his UFC career through some uh, goofy spinning crap and got caught and knocked out cold. So 
there is an absolute puncher's chance, a legitimate puncher's chance from Dober, who has is fighting at the highest level he's ever fought in his career. But uh, if Makashev gets his hands on him and drags him to the canvas, I think he's in big trouble. So I'm going to go with Makashev, but Dober legitimately has a puncher's chance. So if you're betting him, you might as well just bet him by knockout. Now, moving on to the Bantamweight division, we have the champion, Peter Jan, who is 15-1, defending his belt against challenger Aljamain Sterling, who is 19-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Jan opened minus 145, Sterling plus 125, and immediately the plus money got gobbled up on Sterling. Right now, what we're seeing over on Circus Sports, at Circus Sports, is Jan right now, minus 125, plus 105 on Sterling. This fight went down all the way to a pick type of fight, minus 120, even money, so the plus money did disappear for a while. Now we're starting to see a little bit back on it, but that being said, Sterling is the most popular fighter here at the betting window, meaning that a lot of people believe he's a live dog here, and you can't blame him. I mean, look at the, what Sterling has accomplished as of late. I mean, the guy hasn't lost a round. I know I've said it time and time again, but since that Maurice loss, I mean, he's been on fire, and you got to respect that. I mean, his striking's improving. He's got that length. A lot of people believe he's only strictly a grappler. That's not true, man. I mean, if you look at the unorthodox striking that he has, how he blends in his kicks well, his hands are developing, he keeps his head offline. He's a good, solid fighter in all aspects of the game. He just has the advantage over most on the ground as well, and he's capable of finishing that way. That's why he goes for it. But that said, the other side of this, Jan is a phenomenal fighter, man. I mean, if you could say a lot of great things and the same things what I just said about Sterling about Jan as well. I mean, his win streak isn't a fluke. This guy has thunder in his hands. I mean, he's one of the hardest hitting bantamweights that I've seen in a long time. The precision, the pace that he pushes. I mean, he's just relentless and he's got that killer instinct as well. So there's not many people that are going to be able to outstrike a guy like Jan. And on top of that, this guy has outstanding wrestling. He might be the better offensive wrestler here in this spot. I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, we have seen Sterling put on his back before and Jan offensively, he's underrated in that aspect. It's just where the defense comes into play here. Will Sterling be able to get this fight to the ground? And, and if he does, he might not need a lot to work and get a submission here. That's the danger aspect of this fight. But if you add everything up, I mean, Sterling does tend to fade later in fights. This is a five-round fight. Jan, I think, has a better conditioning. I think if Jan can weather that storm, especially in round one and round two, it's going to be his fight to win or lose. And I think there's a sweet pot, sweet spot here for him in round three, four, and five that he could possibly get a finish over Sterling. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be kind of scary at first. But if this fight hits the scorecards, it's Jan's fight to win or lose. And I think there's a late finish possibility with Jan. So I think Sterling can win this fight. He'll be competitive along the way. Um, but he could win it on the ground if he does win it. But I think Jan's defense is good enough. His scrambling ability is good enough. He knows what to expect here in this fight. And I think he's going to get it done. So I went back and forth on this fight a little bit myself. But after I dug back through, I mean, everything just started becoming more and more clear, to be honest with you. And I think Jan is probably the right side here. So I'm going to pick Jan to win this fight. I have a ton of respect for Aljo Sterling. I mean, this guy is just a phenomenal fighter. and He deserves to be in the spotlight and get a shot at the title. I mean, just both of these guys are just tremendous fighters. So top of the food chain, elite level bantamweights. There's no doubt about it. And it should be an all-time classic type of fight. But I still can't side away with can't shy away from believing in what I've seen. And I think Jan is just a more capable and complete fighter at this point, especially as the fight progresses a little bit. So my pick is Jan. I think he does win this fight. I'm going to disagree that this will be an all-time classic because I just don't think the style matches up well for this to be like a really competitive fight either way. Like either Aljamain Sterling is able to close the distance, get Jan down and take him out or Jan 
you know, flusters Sterling's ground attacks, gets back up, wears Sterling down, and puts him away on the feet. Um, you know, Sterling, you know, he's not a fish out of the water anymore on the on the feet, but, I mean, he's not at Jan's level in terms of stand-up. I mean, he has definitely made tremendous strides, but that's only enough to get him to respect his stand-up enough to get inside and drag him drag him down. I mean, Sterling was able to do that against Corey Sanhagen in his last fight. I mean, just an absolute masterclass uh, in terms of closing the distance against a really dangerous fighter and then putting them away. So uh, that being said, if that does not work, I think he's going to be in big, big trouble against Jan, who is an extremely calculated, dangerous, technical, powerful fighter. So uh, on the feet, this is pretty one-sided, even though Sterling is uh, getting better, uh, because you know you just cannot expect Sterling to win rounds with his stand-up, not against somebody like Jan. But if Sterling can get Jan down, his ground game is aggressive and dangerous. I mean, lethal. So uh, I think on the ground, Sterling has a very legitimate chance to not just win the round. I'm talking put the champs, uh, you know, put him to sleep with a submission. So um, I think that there's a very legitimate chance that uh, Jan does get finished in this fight because he really has not been tested against a really strong ground fighter yet in his UFC run. Um, repeatedly over and over again, they've thrown him in there against guys that are more than likely going to be standing and trading with him. Um, and I think uh, if Sterling can get inside and drag him down, there's a very legitimate chance that he you know, can completely control him. Um, that being said, we've seen Sterling slow down drastically in fights. And if he is not able to get the finish in the first round or two, uh, you know, who can forget the, 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 the fight against Brian Caraway, where Sterling was just destroying him and then gassed so badly and Caraway actually won the, the decision. So, uh, and Sterling, you know, can get knocked out. We've seen that as well against Marais. So, I think if Sterling does not get a finish in the first two rounds, Jan's going to win. But I actually believe in Sterling enough that he does get the finish in the first two rounds. So I'm picking Aljamain Sterling by submission. And uh, I think he is going to walk away the new UFC Bantamweight champ. Now, moving up to the women's featherweight division, we have the champ champ, Amanda Nunes, who is 20-4. and four taking on Megan Anderson, who is 10-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Nunez opened minus 1,000. The comeback on Anderson, plus 700. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus 925 on Nunez. The comeback on Anderson at plus 655. So, a little bit of drop in price. I mean, I, honestly, I moved this fight a little bit on air because I'm expecting Anderson to get a lot of public support out there, a lot of public action. And we've seen historically on... You know, in situations like this with the dominant female fighters that the dog does get bet because these lines are kind of outrageous at times and people are kind of going for those lottery tickets. So there hasn't been a ton of action coming into this fight because it's hard to bet, obviously. But there will be more action, straight action on Anderson, and there's going to be more parlay action on Nunes. So the sports books shouldn't really stick their neck out on this fight, honestly. they got to play it safe and play more defense and just let the public enjoy the fight and bet as they want. But 
don't have an outstanding, crazy decision on this fight. I do think that Nunes wins this fight. I think she's the more complete fighter by far. I think she's going to shoot for a takedown pretty early and then probably try to dominate Anderson on the ground and get a finish there. If it stays on the feet, it's going to be interesting because I think, obviously, Nunes is the better striker as well. But I think Anderson can present a lot of problems because of her length, because of her power. And we don't know where Nunes is right now. I mean, sometimes these champion type of fighters get – these dominant champions get complacent at times, right? So – um, if she's lost a little bit of that hunger or that desire to, you know, what she had that kind of made her what she is today, then absolutely Anderson could step in here and play sleeper, maybe finish her. It's crazy to say that. I don't think it happens, but it's a possibility. You have to kind of watch out for that sort of thing. We don't know. I mean, you know, Nunez obviously having a child now and, you know, her focus might be a little bit different than it once was. So I don't think, again, that's the case. I think you still have to trust Nunez in the spot, meaning that I think she will be smart enough to get the stake down. And she is by far the better fighter here in this situation there's no question but are you going to lay minus 900 no way stay away from it anderson has enough power and you got to respect it on the other end of it i mean even on the ground anderson has capable arm bars and triangle chokes and stuff like that. i mean she should not beat nunez on the ground but not out of the question so i know i'm kind of playing devil devil's advocate here going back and forth but it's true you just got to be cautious in this fight that's why it's nunez's fight to win or lose but you can't lay that kind of chalk so stay away from it enjoy it i'm gonna pick nunez to win this fight this one's pretty straightforward. I mean, Nunez is the best female fighter on the planet. She has the most power. Um, her ground game is improving drastically. She has good offensive wrestling. Um, Anderson is really big, and you know that's pretty much the only thing that she has going for her in this fight. I mean, she does hit hard, but I think Nunez is faster, hits harder, is more technical of a fighter, uh, of a striker, and... Uh, Anderson gets exposed pretty badly when taken down. I mean, we've seen her put in some really bad spots by Felicia Spencer, um, Cindy Dandewa, um earlier in her career. So I think uh, if Nunes wants, she can just take Anderson off of her feet and dominate the fight from top position with ground and pound or maybe even a submission. But even on the feet, uh, Nunes should be in really good shape here unless Anderson is able to fight perfectly from distance and actually use that size advantage but i just think nunez is going to be too explosive too powerful and i wouldn't be shocked to see nunez knock anderson out on the feet or get a tko or submission on the ground uh, but if for some reason nunez gets over aggressive and leaves an opening maybe anderson can take advantage but i think that's really really unlikely so i'm going with nunez for sure i think that she doesn't just win, she does pick up a finish along the way. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have a battle of champions. As in the light heavyweight division, we have light heavyweight champion Jan Blakowicz, who is 27-8, taking on middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, who is 20-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Adesanya opened minus 250, the comeback on Blahovich at plus 210. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus 245 for Adesanya, the comeback on Blahovich plus 210. So line margins, line margins tighten up a little bit. And there is two actually coming to this fight. The line dipped down a little bit. The line's climbing back up a little bit. Of course, Adesanya is one of the greatest strikers that we've ever seen in this spot. And, I mean, he's proven it time and time again. I mean, just an amazing champion, an amazing fighter, the precision, the power, the explosives, everything that you want to, to have in a fighter, the IQ, the confidence, the swag. I mean, how could you not like Adesanya? And I mean, just elite with his striking for sure. Just a sniper that 
is so effective, especially with those leg kicks. And I mean, he's a step ahead of most people. He controls the distance and space very well and the timing. So that's what you're dealing with here. But he is moving up too light heavyweight. He's going to be a little bit undersized. Um, I know he's going to have like as far as the length goes, he's going to have a little bit of reach over uh, Blahovich here in this spot. Uh, but as far as pure strength goes, I mean, Blahovich is going to be more of a heavyweight coming into fight day. And, and I think Izzy's going to be more of a kind of natural light heavyweight because he, I think he weighed in at around 200 pounds or so. So he's close to that light heavyweight um, limit. But Blahovich is going to be bigger, stronger. I think he, you got to respect his knockout power on the other end of it as well. He's not the better striker, and Izzy should be able to pick off that leg a little bit and do what he does best and use those angles and utilize you know, his – slick striking skills to kind of pick Blahovich apart along the way and maybe do some damage and finish him. I get that. So I'm going to pick Adesanya to win this fight, but there's a lot of question marks here. And again, I would not lay the chalk against Blahovich. He's been an underdog, I believe. I mean, he's won as an underdog, I should say clearly um, around eight times, which is amazing. So if you're riding that hot streak on Blahovich as a dog, he's been un- disrespected and, and pulling off quality wins left and right. And even though John Jones is out of the equation here and out of the light heavyweight division, you still got to give this guy a lot of credit for winning that strap. And he looked amazing against Reyes in his last fight. So that said, Blahovich has game changing power. I think he's going to look for a takedown here. I'm not sure if he's going to get it, but if he does, out of sign, he could be some serious trouble here on the ground as well, because Blahovich is the better mixed martial artist when it comes to having a ground game and utilizing some of that grappling skill that he has as well. So Adesanya is going to need to keep off his back. He's going to need to do what he does best, be on his bicycle a little bit, utilize those sharp angles and pick Blahovich apart. I think he could probably do that, but at the price at the betting window, I'm not confident enough to lay that chalk. It's probably a dogger's pass situation, especially if it's up over plus 200 ish. Um, I think you got to kind of look at that or just stay away from this fight as well. Hate to say that because I know a lot of people want to just fire away on this fight, but line value and, and where the line is is obviously a very important factor. So I just don't see a ton of value either way in this spot. I think, like I said, it's probably a dog or pass situation, but I'm going to pick Izzy to win. I mean, stylistically, he's the better striker and more times than not, this should probably play out on the feet. So Adesanya is my pick. I think he probably wins, but don't sleep on Blahovich, baby. This guy has shown us a lot lately. Yeah, the main thing here is I just think Adesanya is so technical. Uh, he is probably, you know, you can argue the best striker that has ever fought in the UFC. Um, I mean, his movement is incredible. He sets things up so well. Uh, and he has faced some killers and just passed those tests with flying colors. Um now, Blahovich is dangerous. I mean, he has the size and strength and power to potentially give Adesanya some fits. But, you know, how is he going to be able to get inside uh, without eating a stiff counter? Because Adesanya responds so well to aggression. Um, I mean, he just moves out of the way so fluidly and lands those big shots. I mean, he punishes people for being aggressive against him consistently. So uh, I'm really trying to figure out where Blahovich is going to have that big moment. I mean, it might have to be his kicking game because, you know, when he won the belt uh, against Reyes, you know, he was landing some devastating uh, body kicks. I mean, he was tearing up the ribs of Reyes and then eventually he hurt him on the feet. So uh, maybe Blahovich uses his size with his kicking game to get things going, but um, you know, Adesanya can fire right back. And I think Adesanya is going to be a little bit quicker, a little bit more fluid, you know, more technically sound. Um, I mean, 
Blahovich could also potentially utilize some wrestling. He does have some improving wrestling and top position. So that could give him an edge here, but uh, he's going to have to, you know, find a way to close that distance because Adesanya's footwork is masterful. Um, so I think he's going to struggle to do that as well. Um, and in a pure technical battle, uh, I just think Adesanya is just a step ahead of him. Uh, you know, Blahovich is the more powerful guy, I think, but Adesanya just puts things together so well. I can see Adesanya outpointing Blahovich, but Blahovich definitely does have that ability to uh, reverse course here if he can really dig in some heavy kicks, whether it's to the legs or body. I mean, he can do some damage with those. And uh, if that starts to slow Adesanya down, you know, it could open up an opportunity for that big power to come in. And, you know, Adesanya can get hurt. Uh, We've seen it, uh, you know, uh, Gastelum did rock him a little bit and, uh, he did get knocked out back in his kickboxing days. So, you know, it's, he's not, you know, immune to this, but, uh, I do think that Adesanya is just that a little bit step ahead, even moving up a weight class and undersized. I mean, he's weighed in today at 201. So, you know, he's not even fighting at the, the light heavyweight limit. So Blahovich is going to be, you know, 20, 30 pounds heavier than him probably on fight night. But I just don't think it matters. I think Adesanya's speed and technique are going to help him prevail. And Blahovich just doesn't quite have that explosive athleticism to maybe take advantage of any kind of chinks in the armor of Adesanya. So I'm going to say Adesanya walks away with either a TKO victory uh, if Blahovich is over aggressive, or uh, a decision victory if Blahovich, you know, is a little tentative and trying to feel things out, I think Adesanya will outpoint him that way. So my pick is Adesanya becoming a double UFC champion. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for uh, UFC 259. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. Uh, you can also check the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs>